From the Financial Times in London, I'm Elaine Moore and this is FT News. Russia's financial markets have taken a battering since the US announced further sanctions on the 6th of April. Oleg Deripaska, one of the most prominent oligarchs targeted, saw shares in his London-listed holding company EN+, and aluminium producer Roussel plunge around 50% in the aftermath as the wider Russian market fell some 10%. Here with me to discuss the sanctions fallout is our Moscow correspondent Henry Foy and commodities correspondent Henry Sanderson. Henry Foy, I'll come to you first. Do we know why this particular group of individuals and companies have been subject to US sanctions? Are they closely related to the Kremlin? Well, this really is the sort of $1 trillion question. People are sort of trying to work out why these specific seven oligarchs and 17 government officials were chosen to be put on this list. The official statement says that they have benefited from the Putin regime and play a key role in advancing what they call Russia's malign activities. The choice of these seven has made many analysts question what the rationale really was. You've got people like Deripaska, who are obviously incredibly rich people who have definitely taken control and benefited from natural resources. Others, such as Mr. Vexelberg, Victor Vexelberg, are known to not be that close to Mr. Putin. So it's a bit of a hodgepodge. And most political analysts believe this was the U.S.'s way of scaring the wider market to essentially say nobody knows who's going to be next. Okay, so let's talk about Mr. Deripaska and his companies. What do we know about the source of his wealth and how he's regarded by investors in the West? So in short, Mr. Deripaska was the victory in what's known as the Aluminium Wars. This was a a series of corporate tussles in the late 90s and early 2000s for control of formerly Soviet-run state assets. He kind of emerged with the entire monopoly of Russia's aluminium production and has really used the proceeds from that to build up quite a large empire into airports, into car production, etc. Now, Deripaska is one of the most well-known Russian businessmen outside of Russia. He throws a party every year at Davos, which is incredibly well attended. He's listed Roussel in Hong Kong. He listed EN Plus in London in November. And he's always tried to be seen as a Western-friendly oligarch. Some people say that's what's got him on the radar and unfortunately now resulted in these sanctions. And so what happened in the immediate aftermath of the U.S. sanctions being announced? How much trouble was Roussel in immediately and how much trouble do we think it's in now? Well, I mean, these sanctions, of course, ban Roussel and EN Plus from doing any business in the U.S. dollars and also conducting any business with U.S. citizens and, crucially, bans non-U.S. citizens from facilitating any deals that would be disallowed under these sanctions. So it's a huge, very, very broad impact And for somebody like Roussel, which is selling around 80% of his aluminium outside of Russia, almost crippling impact upon them. So initially, the stock markets took a very, very dim view of this. The stock price fell 50%, mainly because a lot of people don't think he's going to be able to make any of his debt obligations. And the company itself has admitted that technical defaults may well be on the way. So we're still in a wait-and-see mode to see the definite impact, but this is going to have a huge impact on his ability to make money and also to repay this debt. Yes, this point about the sanctions extending to non-US citizens has caused a lot of confusion. Do we know how Mr. Deripaska's creditors may well be affected by all of this? Well, at the end of last year, Roussel had about $7.6 billion worth of net debt. 92% of that is denominated in US dollars. So people are not going to get paid, essentially. The Russian government has said it is prepared to step in and provide short-term financing through some form of state bank loans or maybe some other support. That might give him some initial breathing space. 
But it really does remain to be seen how on earth he's going to be able to pay people off. Even if Western creditors want to get their money back, it remains to be seen how they'll do that without infringing on the sanctions. Yeah, the suspicion at the moment is that perhaps Russia will step in to somehow support him. What's the mood amongst the wider business community in Russia towards the US sanctions? Well, I mean, there's obviously a lot of anger here in Russia. The lawmakers in the lower house of parliament uh, submitted a law, a draft law, with a range of proposals about banning U.S. imports, banning certain services and technology, and also maybe restricting production of U.S. products that are made in Russian factories. So the backlash could be quite severe, but it remains to be seen how many of those proposals will actually make it into law. And ultimately, President Putin will have the final say on that. The key thing to remember here is that indirectly and directly, Rusal employs around 180,000 people in Russia. These are people that Putin does not want on the streets protesting about their jobs. So the government is loath to see the company go down. So you will see some form of government support for sure. And in the past, we've seen the Kremlin come to the aid of its oligarchs. Because if it's a choice between propping up an oligarch or letting the Americans bring down a Russian industry, they're definitely going to choose the oligarch. Henry Sanderson, I'll come to you. Given that Mr. Deripaska is an aluminium tycoon, what effect has this had on the commodities markets? I mean, this has had a massive impact. The impact has been unlike anyone has seen for 30 years for metal traders. So right after the sanctions, aluminium prices shot up and they've kept going over the past week. So they're now up about 14%. This is the biggest weekly rally in three decades since records began. And that's because overnight, 7% of world production has just been taken out of the market. And as Henry mentioned, US buyers and other citizens can't deal with resale. So people are scrambling for new supplies of metal. So the price has shot up. And it also comes after Trump launched his tariffs against aluminium. So really what we're seeing is a whole rerouting of global trade flows. And this takes time. It can't happen overnight. So the immediate reaction is the price going up. What about the likely knock-on effects for the price of alumina, say? Yeah, so people are now paying attention about the aluminium raw material supply because, you know, Rusa are a big producer of aluminium, but it, it relies on these international trade flows to get alumina, to get bauxite, you know, from countries such as Guinea, Jamaica. So... You know, if no one can deal with Rusal now, what happens to these international trade flows? And Rusal is actually a supplier of alumina to other companies. So really, people are also scrambling now for these raw materials. People are now telling me that, you know, maybe people will have to deal in a form of barter with Rusal. They give you alumina, you give them something else and avoid currencies altogether. And presumably that has an effect on wider US markets. Yeah, for the US, I think this is a big deal because you've had the 10% tariffs and now this. And what you've seen is the price of aluminium in the US or the premium, which is the price you pay to get physical metal in the US, shoot up. So all that means is US manufacturers, aluminium can makers, car makers, they pay more for aluminium. So that increases their costs and they pass it on to consumer. So you've got a negative impact for manufacturing, the costs going up. And also what's happening is that Chinese producers are going to fill this void in the global market. So really, you know, you've got manufacturing suffering, which is against what Trump wants, and you've got Chinese producers coming back in the market, which is also against what Trump wants. So it's really difficult to see how this plays out. And finally, I'd like to ask both of you how badly you think the latest sanctions have hit confidence in the Russian economy and how easily it can weather the storm. Henry Sanderson, do you want to go first? I think this is going to be difficult for Rusal to survive unless it gets state aid. I don't see how it's going to get the raw materials it needs to produce aluminium. And also, as Henry pointed out, it exports a lot of its aluminium. So what's going to happen to its revenues? I think maybe they could 
send metal to China. Maybe they could strike some sort of deal with China. But I think what I'm hearing is Chinese consumers and banks are also cautious about breaking these sanctions. They don't want to fall foul of the US in the current environment. And Henry Foy, you're on the ground there. What do you think is likely to happen next? I mean, we need to take into account the fact that Russia has been through sanctions now for the last four years. They've adapted pretty well. The oil and gas industry was the first to be hit. It's done okay. Its production is still increasing despite those sanctions. And actually what's happened is U.S. and European companies have been forced to leave the market and Russian companies have sort of swallowed up that space. The counter sanctions put in by Mr. Putin that banned imports of European food have had a huge positive impact on the Russian market. They're now producing far more wheat than they used to and producing lots and lots of domestic food, cheeses, breads and things like this that they didn't used to produce locally. This is a different kettle of fish, mainly because we don't know how wide and how deep they could go in the future. This could just be the first round of a new sea change in the sanction policy from the U.S., so we need to wait and see. At the moment, I think the economy will be okay. The ruble jumped quite dramatically, but has recovered. A lot of that also was due to unease and wariness over what might happen in Syria and the threat of a larger conflict between the U.S. and Russia as well. It's too early to say, really, what the wider impact will be, but... The key message here is that the Russians are really taking seriously what this new sanction package means and the impact it can have. Mr. Deripaska has been completely cut off, essentially, from the global economy. His net worth is halved. He really has been made the full guy here. And I think a lot of other oligarchs, a lot of other business people close to Putin are looking at him and thinking, how on earth do I avoid this fate? Henry Sanson and Henry Foy, thank you so much. And if you'd like to read more on this story, don't forget to go to ft.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.